welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Podcast. The wait is over. Episode 12 of Cannon Fodder is here. I'm Joe O'Brien. With Troy Lavalley Esquire. <laughs> you are not a uh, lawyer. I'm going to give myself a new title every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're going to run out quickly. Now there's uh, other titles. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it clean. Hey, hey, did you hear that chuckle in the background? Is, is that bad background noise? Or, or do we have a guest this week, Troy? Uh, I, I think we have a guest, Joe. We have a very special guest this week, in fact, for the first time in Cannon Fodder history. This we're having a guest. We're having a guest that is not one of the players on the show. But he is, uh, you know, in, intrinsically he has been heard related. On, yes. He has been heard on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you the composer of the greatest drops in the history of podcasting and the a uh, executive editor at Marvel Incorporated. Maybe you've heard of it. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. Nick Lowe is in the house. Hello, hey, everybody. Class hey. Cannoneers. <laughs> it's great Class to talk Cannoneers. To you. I like that. It's oh. great to talk to you. It's so, I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm going to immediately put you on the spot because this is going to blow everyone's mind. Let's do it. I want to hear a live version of Nerdage. All right, ready? <laughs> so I'll bring you in. I'll do like the tick, 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 nerd, 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 and then you do the rest. Uh, all right, here we go. This, I'm really excited about this. Nerd, nerd, nerd. Skid's got some spain to do. It is time for nerdage. <laughs> wow. That is so good. That is amazing. Go. Oh, you're so it's good. It's as if Michael McDonald were in the room with you. <laughs> it is time for nerdage. The amount of people that ask for that as a ringtone is astounding. <laughs> <laughs> we seriously, we, we got to we gotta start paying you some money, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, you don't get paid enough at Marvel. We, <laughs> no. we know that. How they treat you at that outfit. <laughs> they, they pay me in ideas. The House of Ideas pays in ideas. Well, seriously, Nick, thank you so much for coming in and being on the show. You know, the craziest thing about it is that Nick is an extremely successful editor at Marvel. He does fantastic work. His name is on a just a ton of excellent, excellent work that Marvel puts out, and he happens to also be a fan of the Glass Cannon podcast, which Huge is fan. astounding. Huge fan. I look forward to Tuesdays, very much so. I either listen to it uh, riding my bike across the bridge to the office, or home, or sometimes on the subway, but usually on my bike, and I'm usually either yelling <laughs> at the podcast uh, while riding across the Queensboro Bridge, like, what are you doing? No! Don't do, you, do that! Do you remember crying. where you were when Gormley died? I was on the bridge, yelling, like yelling as I crossed the bridge, just channel positive energy, Skid! Channel positive energy! She's gonna die! Well, I guess we're lucky you didn't just careen off yeah. the side of the bridge. I'm telling you. That was, that was, a, that was a rough episode. I mean, he didn't have to jump. He could have, before she dropped, he could have channeled positive energy and she would have been all right. <laughs> Well, before we get into the recap of this week's episode, can we please uh, get a, a little sense from you of exactly, you know, as detailed as you can, sure. uh, what you do at Marvel and where you're at right now and what you're working on? Absolutely. So, uh, like like just said, I'm an executive editor. Uh, I oversee all the Spider titles. 
uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, That's Spider Man, right? Spider Man. Have that right. Spider Woman. Um, Spider Gwen. He's kind of a big deal. He a, a little known character, cult favorite, <laughs> upcoming, up and comer, uh, up and comer for sure. <laughs> uh, I hope that book works. Greatest out. character in the world. Greatest character in the entire world. Is that what you think? Oh yeah. yeah. Did you think that before you were on Spider Man? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. He's the best superhero ever. Now I've never heard of him. Is that a new character? <laughs> I vaguely let's keep running this joke this is a good one <laughs> we tell us how you uh, just a little bit about your path in terms sure. of what books you worked on uh, you know before you got to Spider-Man so I've been at Marvel for over 14 years Ooh. I started as a <laughs> Troy can't even imagine holding a job for 14 years <laughs> 14 minutes <laughs> So I started as an assistant editor with Marvel Knights, working on Daredevil, uh, Punisher, uh, 1602, a bunch. There was a great line of books uh, at the time. I was there for about nine months, and I worked on the Ultimate books for about two years. I was, you know, Ultimate X-Men, Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Fantastic Four, The Ultimates. Uh, the Ultimates is uh, uh, what a lot of the Avengers movie, the first Avengers movie, is kind of loosely based off of oh, a lot okay. of that stuff. And then I worked on the X-Men books for about, what is it, about 10 years at that point? That was the bulk of it, yeah. yeah so when I met you, roles. you were working on X-Men, I think. You made yep. your bones on X-Men. You're damn right. <laughs> and, they, and they were like what got me super into comics was the X-Men comics. So that, that, that was, you know, a love affair. And, I, and, I, and then I've been on the Spider-Man books and then Guardians and Inhumans and all that kind of stuff for the last two and a half years. It'll be three in January. And uh, and I always loved Spider-Man from like the cartoon in the '90s, but I never read a ton of his comics. I read a, a bunch, but not like X-Men, where I'd read damn near everything. Yeah, yeah, that. I read more X-Men than anything else oh, when yeah. I was a kid. Oh yeah, but I uh, but I, I'd been reading a bunch because there's we're in the middle of this really great run that started long before I was on it. So I, I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. Where this writer Dan Slott has been writing it and telling mm. some of the best Spider-Man stories ever. There, they're they're wonderful and they're crazy and and they take so much risks. Anyway, but I must put a plug in the the best comic I ever edited, the best book I ever worked on uh, was this book called Next Wave, which you should look up. And also, I did a theme song for it. So if you even just like the vocal stylings and uh, song comp- song composition, uh, check out Next Wave because I wrote a theme song for it that we released. That's completely insane. That's did you, awesome. did you sing it? Yes, I wrote the song. I, I mean, sang maybe, it. Nick doesn't write anything that he doesn't sing. Can we hear the roll for initiative? <laughs> roll, Ricka, roll, Ricka, roll, Ricka, roll, Ricka, roll for initiative. <laughs> There's so many voices in the harmony. Yeah, you, it's hard can't, to... you can't sing. Troy, six. harmonize with him. We need six nicks. <laughs> we need six nicks. <laughs> I'll do it for the Joe one later. Uh, yeah, we'll save that one for later. Um, so, well, it's fantastic to have you on the show. We appreciate your uh, support of the Glass Cannon Podcast, but I also think it would be great to have you on Cannon Fodder si- simply because you are you have made a career out of telling stories and out yeah. of editing stories and figuring out what works and what doesn't work, and especially you know relating to your experience to the X Men having multiple characters, having a team of characters going after a goal with maybe separate personal you know uh, goals underneath and separate uh, motivations, and how do you resolve all of that to make it come together into one cohesive product that uh, an audience can follow and really get attached to where some fans can get attached to this character or that character so there's a little something in there for everybody I think that that is part of RPG gaming part of what every game is trying to create is you know you want all of the characters to be interesting in one way or another you don't want them to get overshadowed too much by one character that does a lot of damage or has all the cool spells or the one guy at the table that does great accents there's a lot of unevenness (laughs) I think in, well, that's in, usually the one guy who does great accents. That's a trope of, of storytelling from ages, you know. 
<laughs> but I, I, if I may digress just a, a little bit, I, Nick, this the, is your show. <laughs> one of the things I love most about uh, Glass Cannon and RPGs in general is the form of storytelling, which is fascinating. Because I, I gotta, I, I'm gonna admit, I'm not a big fantasy guy. I, I've not read a ton of fantasy. I've read Tolkien and. Uh, and I'm a whore for George Martin uh, on that stuff. But that's really the only fantasy that I've ever read because I don't – I'm not big into the trappings. I'm not big into wizards and elves and dwarves and all that stuff. Usually my experiences of it are I'm, – I'm totally stereotypically like – Troy, Troy is looking at you right now like he's going to fight you. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm looking well, at you, I, Joe, like why is he here? <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about – what I love about – I'm not into elves and dwarves. We made a huge error. <laughs> judgment. Cut the mic. I mean, only sexually am I into that. <laughs> Got it. Uh, but but you know, but I, I'm into it for the storytelling. I'm in it mm. for the character work, and and that's why I love Game of Thrones so much, and that's why I love the podcast. Because I mean, the fight is the fights are always exciting, but the stuff that I get the most joy out of is some of the intense role playing and some of the character stuff that you guys do and that that happened in in playing pathfinder and i've only played a little bit myself a little rpg but i i love that aspect of this communal storytelling where it can go in any number of ways and different people can take the story and bend it in and in, in ways you can't foresee and that's so unique in this world yeah not I too many that. it's it's a really unique medium and that's what we're trying to get out there you for know? sure but to answer your specific question uh you know when especially when you're making a team book and it, it is so important to try and keep a balance i mean like when you're when you're making an issue of an x-men comic or something like that you want to make sure that every character at least has a, a, a moment in each issue you want to make sure that they at least have a moment like the, your main cast gets a moment but you do kind of need to pick one or two that the real focus is on where the story goes that way and i think you can drop back to pretty much like the one of the greatest runs of X-Men was Chris Claremont and John Byrne, which, you know, had the Dark Phoenix saga and Days of Future Past and so many of the best X-Men stories. But you would notice that, you know, it would be Cyclops and Jean Grey's story for like two or three issues. And then it would be Wolverine's story as Alpha Flight comes in. But they'd all be in it and they'd all have their moments and you'd and you'd see it twist and turn as, as he... And I think Troy out. balances the podcast that way. I think that he tries to take certain game sessions and show you like, this is a little bit more geared toward Galabras. This one's a little bit more Lork. You know, this one is going to focus on Gormley. And there is uh, an element of, of art to that that every GM should be trying to do in their games is, yes, having a focus but not over-focusing over multiple sessions on any one character too much it can be uh depressing to the other players totally. you know so and i have to warn you if you say the g word one more time i might cry the g word oh yeah 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 i just want to add that when we first started the podcast uh, i was texting with nick and he was really into those first couple episodes that were all role-playing and i think you uh, you were either a little bummed out or a little bit nervous when it got too combat heavy that it wasn't going to work out and i remember sort of listening to you say that and thinking like that's a, that's an excellent point how are we going to make these dice rolls and numbers and math be interesting and i think something that we've we've tried to do and i and i owe this a lot to you nick for giving us this uh critique early on is how do you turn how do you reveal character and story in action 
in you know in in the action of a game like this which is pencils and papers and dice and i think that's something we're still striving to do but uh it's very important obviously a role-playing scene that you do with your characters is going to be be full of story and full of laughs if you but yeah you want to try to fit in within combat episodes you you need to try to fit in the dramatics of what's happening second to second heartbeat to heartbeat in the story of that character as lork misses again and you know Mm -hmm. what's he feeling what's he thinking about that and it you know it drives the growth of that character in combat as well as out. Mm-hmm. And, and you're really good at that, Joe, with Lork, when you're in a battle, and not only do you try to make the, the roles part of the story, but then you also make sure that if there is context with the person you're facing, to bring that context up. You bring yeah, up try, your son, I, you bring up these different encounters you've had with them in the past, or that you, with the connections of them, and, and to bring that stuff up so that it, it brings that to bear, so that you're not just worried about what spell you're going to cast about what weapon you're going to use and and how you're going to use it but you're like no because at least that's the stuff that gets me all juiced up is when like the story stuff comes to bear that and when your character gets strapped to a catapult and (laughs) and fired off (laughs) dealing with that uh okay so that brings us to the start of this episode which is a sort of uh review that that troy does where he you know, he brings up in last episode, we had a lot of dense material, and we talked about that last week on Cannon Fodder about all the new uh, expansion of the plot that has come in with this storm tyrant Volstice and his relationship with uh, Grenzeldeck, you know, and, and what that whole situation is. And so we start off this episode with Troy saying, hey, man, that was that was really heavy. That was a lot of information. And, you know, what else you must be thinking? And then he goes through each character and he explains how those visions that we saw in episode 61 all are kind of pointing to... Uh, an area in general, you know, Lork's true-born son, uh, Baron's actual family that still lives. Uh, I can't remember what the other... Uh, Della's uh, mom. Um, there, uh, what was Calabras? I can't remember. Um, oh, no, he was he was the... Uh, Brander saw us. Yeah, Brander. The thin right. man saw him. That's and so terrifying. at some point you figure, like, he's going to meet us in the Mindspin Mountains and, you know, cut us off or whatever. So there is this, like... Or Galavis will run there to hide. <laughs> or, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. And so there's this, like... Uh, you're trying to attach all of these character side stories and personal stories to the overall plot by sending us to the same area. My question for you is, in general, do you think this is something that needs to happen more in gaming? Do In a pre-written campaign, are, is it necessary to give PCs side quests that all kind of point along parallel with the plot? Or is it something that just evolved without you even realizing it was happening? Like, what was your goal here? I, It's my dream to one day, like, be showrunner of my own television series like a long-running TV show and one of the things that in the shows that I watch that I love that I think I'm trying to incorporate in the podcast is while you're in the middle of one thing uh, going on and I want to be careful how much I say here but luckily Joe's not smart enough to figure it out (laughs) (laughs) while you're in the middle of like one very pointed goal or three or four goals that are pretty clear at hand I want to start planting the seeds of the next arc of the story as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so touching back in with this and sort of, you know, because I think there was a lot, uh, for a long time, you guys just thought, okay, just got to beat Grenzeldeck, game over. We go back, we saved her now, we did it, end of podcast. But like, I want to sow the seeds that there's there's more going on and to connect it to the characters, I mean, that's just writing 101. Give you a reason beyond um, well, that, that's what the adventure path is, so you have to do it. You know, <laughs> right. Connect it to you guys so that there's a reason for you to go there, not just save the world, because you could just do it and say, we want to save the world. I'm an altruistic character. I want to do good. 
Uh, not in this crew. Not in this, not in this crew. crew. <laughs> not in this ragtag group of hustlers. I mixed crew and group and said croup. Croup. Yes. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds contagious. Yeah. <laughs> you better get that looked at. But yeah, so I, I just like to start sowing those seeds. Yeah, that's a great idea. And so, honestly, I love listening back to certain episodes, and I see that I'm dropping little nuggets that you guys don't even pick up on. So hopefully, <laughs> I mean, that's the good thing about going back and re-listening to these, as some of our uh, listeners have started to do. If you if you listen closely, it's all there. I've, yeah. I've said like a line here and oh, there. Oh man, if you haven't, go, if you right haven't re-listened, go back and list. Go from the very beginning to the attack on True Now, before the attack on True Now, with the uh, the. Um, graffiti and exactly what happened with the murder and the guy checking in and having the you know looking like a shopkeeper and checking in after Roger did all this it's like when you know the whole answer it's so cool because you're like Troy knew all of it when he was saying this stuff and it's all making sense it's all fitting in and it helps us listeners remember that stuff because I mean we're unlike you guys you know you're not as steeped in it we're not as steeped in it we don't live it and like it's not part of my character history I'm one of the characters in it who remembers all this stuff about it uh, and you know, and especially as I sandwich you between Terry Gross and Ira Glass in a weird threesome of podcasts, <laughs> just because uh, we're all alphabetically together when you search Glass, yes. Glass and Ira Glass, yeah. Gross Glass, Glass, Gross that's Glass, true. Glass. That's our, that's your next podcast title, <laughs> the Gross Glass, Glass. It's a recap of Cannon Fodder. <laughs> Fodder, a weekly recap. recap of a weekly recap <laughs> by Terry Gross and Ira Glass. Yeah, they're big fans of the show. I, I think hear. we could talk them into it. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> they have a lot of time on their hands. Oh, yeah. uh, well, let me ask you, Nick, kicking it over to you. That general idea of story. I don't know if this is going to open up a can of worms that we won't recover from, but you know, how often does this factor in when you are creating? Let's focus on X Men because we know you know there's a range of characters that you always have to kind of balance. How much work goes into editing and story writing for the individual personal quests and histories of those characters versus, you know, the plot stories of an arc where the whole team is after a certain evil? What, uh, how much time and effort is given to those side quests? And sometimes our characters left out of them because, you know, they're altruistic enough to just go after the plot. Yeah. Well, it, it all depends on the characters and the writer, really. You know, like some writers really pay a lot of attention to to that sort of things and 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 some aren't as interested in it and don't play off it quite as much but the the best ones they know the history they bring certain parts of it to bear as you go along like we've been talking about but it, it, it kind of all depends on the balance and it is i i grant you it is really easy to lose sight of that as you're st- stuck in your plot and your adventure and trying to stop a, a mr sinister from you know poisoning the world or right whatever, you know right and save uh, the world but but that stuff becomes so important and it really it depends on the strength of your characters and what you do with them in doing that and making sure they have tied history with each other and with their villains and that you bring that stuff to bear but so much of i mean what you what you guys are talking about like laying seeds there that's one of the things that the the guy who writes spider-man right now is huge into like we're coming up in this big crossover uh this big spider-man event uh that that starts in october and he's been laying seeds for that for for five years Something like that, like like he's laid a couple seeds back then, and then for the last year and a half, he's been heavily like leaning into these subplots that you don't really know what's going on for these two or three pages at a time, and then and then comes back to it in a big way. I mean, the history is such a huge thing to him, and there there are certain writers like like the, Jonathan Hickman is a writer who's been writing a ton of stuff for us. He does the, the the Secret Wars event that he'd been planning for at least five years as well. That like <laughs> like putting these 
three books that he was writing all came together in this one huge Marvel event and the meticulous planning was lunacy um, but I mean so much of it for me comes down to the heart of the characters and remembering who they are and what they bring to bear because that's that's the only reason for the, to tell stories as far as I'm concerned is for the characters and what attachments you forge with them and if you don't bring up Jason, you know every now and again to remember that and if you don't Right, it, that was it, so long yeah. ago. That was episode 16. And, finally, and I know that because 16. I'll never forget it. <laughs> yeah, but finally, even just getting to Glabrus's backstory in that uh, prophecy, the, the, the Oracle episode, mm-hmm. and, like digging really into the details of his history with the, the Thin Man or, or, or like that, that was awesome and terrifying. And, and I don't think he'd really touched on it since maybe the first six episodes or something like that, even just knowing that that was part of his history. And, and we do try to do that as much as we can, like pick little points from the characters' histories and making sure they, that you bring them to bear for that gravity of that and what, what payoff it can have. Uh, and when you find those little gems of like, oh, this has never been done with Peter Parker. We haven't seen this character since like Amazing Spider-Man issue six which is, you know, 1963. And you're like, oh, man, like, no one's done that? <laughs> that is serious like, memory, yeah. Like, we have a thing coming up in uh, in this in the start of this event. There's this part of the story that from this monumental story from Spider-Man's past that we were shocked that no one had told this one side of this one part of it that comes to hugely to bear in the story. And those are so fun to find and, and dig out. And I always try to be rereading through past Spider-Man or X-Men depending on what you're watching what you're reading what you're editing what you're working on to try and make sure that you grab those bits and pieces because there's so much to glean from yeah if you're running a game I think it's always important to remember those momentous moments over the course of your campaign I mean I recently wrapped up a Council of Thieves game that Nick was in so that was an adventure path that Nick played in and uh, you guys have heard about this this, uh, council game before and Nick was one of the players in that one and that went on for years and so yeah there were definitely refreshers I had to do where I had to bring up momentous events that had happened before to remind the players where they were to root yeah. them in the story again and like when my character thing. died because he because I'm an idiot <laughs> oh man oh, that was I remember Joe could, called me the next day oh, to tell me this story I thought I thought we could take that water elemental guy <laughs> I thought we could take he, it he soloed a large water elemental yeah. at like 7th level or something I thought like as sure a cleric <laughs> He was the cleric. I thought, guys, I, I got uh, this. He was like, I have the power of my gods. But it was just like one crit. Yeah. That's it. Done. Surf's up. Done. <laughs> Surf's up. Oh, man. All right. So, you listening to the this week's episode, episode 66 of the Glass Cannon podcast, did you expect us to fight Grenzeldeck? I We had just finished with the Manticores. You I, know, thought it was, was, I thought it was a likelihood because of the dress. I thought the dress and where, where you guys were coming up to, I, I thought you had to get to her soon or the next episode or two yeah the next episode or two i i certainly didn't see uh it going like it did with her being all weirded out and goofed out uh, in the, <laughs> yeah, crying so much in the curse and all that yeah, stuff so that the, was crazy yeah so the the curse this curse of melancholy mm. comes up so we come into the room and obviously I, I wasn't expecting two dire wolves to be there that was an interesting wrench in the mix I thought we might be able to not negotiate but at least talk to her a little bit but once I, there are giant animals in the room you're like yeah. nope this is going down <laughs> but she was you know extremely extremely sad but and it I, makes you wonder what what that first half of that encounter would have gone like if she weren't horribly sad 
and all that kind of stuff. I think you guys got off easy because of that, not or are getting off easy. I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Ask Galapagos. Exactly. I was just gonna say, like, you shut your mouth. You know, this is not over yet. And I don't know where it's going. You know, that reminds me, like, with this not being over yet, and it ending on a classic uh, Troy Lavalle mid combat end of an episode. I think I. I'm going to be a little bold here. I think we might have to have you on next week's Cannon Fodder to finish out this uh, this combat. Can you come? We're not really asking. If we, if we can clear my schedule, we can look into it. I mean, uh, I just feel like it would feel weird if you didn't come back next week because uh, there's just going to be a lot to talk about. Well, I could just leave my dog in charge of my kids, maybe. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll roll we'll the dice. We'll talk about this after we go. We'll have Lork roll the dice yeah. on that one. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, what about you, Troy? Did you think we'd fight Will Grenzel I come Deck? back next week <laughs> did you think we'd fight Grenzel Deck in this episode uh, all signs pointed towards it I gotta be careful what I say sometimes because I forget there's just so much going on in Red Lake 4 and I'm like uh, 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 uh. Uh, I thought it was going to happen after you guys uh, sort of discovered what Manticors. you discovered but when you left the room to go back to the chapel I was like could be anything yeah you could reset right and yeah. go to the famous middle buildings. The Man, old middle buildings. I wonder what's in there. What if they... Uh, just gold. Just yeah. piles and piles just, of gold. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> just just swimming. And, and I was wondering, I would really hoped that uh, Skid would uh, grow giant and put the dress on before venturing back out <laughs> into the... Uh, that that would have been it, quite a sight. Into the fort. <laughs> like, no one would suspect it. I mean, I'm sure they see Grenzel like, walking around crying in her wedding dress all the time. <laughs> Uh, so I, I mean they may, like he oh you know who should have he should have he could uh, he should somehow make Grant uh, make uh, Baron Baron giant and then he could impersonate Grenzeldeck like he did uh, <laughs> Umlo uh, Umlo I'm Umlo <laughs> I'm Grenzeldeck <laughs> oh just uh, go and tell the general what's his name Karg Karg yeah go let's t- make a deal yeah. the fort is yours <laughs> the fort is yours. <laughs> I it, like this idea. We have to have Nick over for more ideas for what we should do on the next week's episode. Is it killing you guys not to know uh, the damage? Yes. <laughs> yes. This was. I mean, I, I've 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 stopped some things uh, in the middle of uh, action before, but this was no. This was very cruel. It's brutal, and I'm and now in my head, swimming with what character is going to get built to replace him? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. I to me, it was one of those things where I know you. Like I just, I'm a little bit meta. Like I've played with you enough to Whoa. know that, like the way that you handled that, <laughs> I, I definitely think that. Uh, I definitely think that we're looking at, at the loss of Galabras. It, it's too. This is how people die. Nick, how did you die when your character died in Council of Thieves to that water elemental? Uh, well, I, I kept trying to convince everyone to stay and fight. Now, I don't mean the context. I mean, at the moment, what actually killed your character? A critical. Yeah, yeah. A critical oh, yeah, from a, yeah, a critical. massive, Absolutely. massive creature that. Is that has, times three on a slam? or? No, it's at times two, but I think that it did like. I, I, I remember like I remember rolling or... it and I remember rolling like a twenty-four on the damage and being like forty-eight points of damage. And Nick went Nick was very new to the game. He had only been playing for about a year, but no character had died. No. And he was like, Oh man, that is that's really bad. And I was like, How many hit points did you have? And he said, Nine. <laughs> and I, I still remember and Skid was in that game too, and Skid just slowly looked at him and completely deadpan went. You're dead. You're totally dead. <laughs> and it was like, and I was like I was like there really is like there's no 
there's no coming back from that. Like, there's no None. way you could, like, work it out. Like, you did 48 points but, of damage. But you did give me a choice at the time. You're like, I mean, they could find, they could take you out and take it, try to resurrect you. They could try to do this thing. Well, like, what do you want? But I, as Phelan made the choice. Yeah. He made the choice. And... He made his choices. Yeah. But it was, it was, you know, in this case, it's yeah. the triple damage. And now take that yeah. damage and triple it. That's what Grenzeldeck's doing. So yeah. it's just, I don't even... It, it depresses me to think about, but I have a lot of faith in Skid and his ability to create oh, a great yeah. backup character. <laughs> oh yeah, and just how different. Like that's I'm, I'm honestly that's what my head has been spinning. I'm like, what class is he gonna pick? Like, 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 yeah, that's where you're. You're not yeah. like, I wonder if he'll live. Yeah. You're like, I wonder what class he's yeah. gonna Will be. Will he be Welsh? Will he be uh, like what 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 accent from great from the United Kingdom or Ireland is this one? Gonna Something be? from the Low Countries. Yeah. Something from yeah. the Low Countries. Benelux. Well, yeah. Uh, more to find out next week on that. But I do want to ask you, Troy, before we move on to some listener questions. And we've got two this week, mm. which is exciting. And we'll have Nick answering listener questions, too, which is Ooh. awesome. I like the um, cannon fodder's getting a little longer. They, they, we, we, our initial thing is we're going to do 15-minute episodes. That's it. We're and it we might go back to that. We're going to we keep it tight. Well, we're going to keep it like that if we don't have an amazing guest. Yeah, it's just me and do? you. Nick Lowe. <laughs> I don't want to end this. Nicholas sitting uh, on my couch. <laughs> I'll never Naked. wash that stain. Before we get before we get to fan questions, I've got two things that I want to do. The first thing is uh, I'm not going to tell you how much damage you took. <laughs> Come on, Troy. Don't even ask. It's so funny. Like That's not we what the show's about. We were setting up to record, and I was just like kind of slyly looking around, around the apartment to see if you just left the paper out. But I, I, I should know better. You, you have that tucked away somewhere in your wallet. Uh, so he keeps it on his head. This is a new segment that I want to start on Cannon Fodder. It's Ooh. called Cannon Fodder Trivia. What? Ooh. Hey, wanna... Nick, can I get a little uh, sound drop for that? I'm yeah. putting it on the spot. Cannon Fodder Trivia. Get your brain working. <laughs> so that was fully improvised. So. Well, get we have your it. brain working. Get your brain working. <laughs> All right, record it, please. Record it with harmonies, please. Joe, you got to go back and take that. Oh piece. yeah. Get your brain working. <laughs> All right. So what? Uh, this is actually tied in. You know, we've been doing contests lately. Paizo has generously given us some uh, content to get or some merchandise to give away. And uh, not quite sure exactly what we're giving away just yet. But what we're going to do is for the next four weeks of Cannon Fodder, there's going to be a single trivia question on Ooh. each episode. That trivia question, you will go to our website. Uh, go to the Twitter account actually tomorrow, Friday, September second, to see at noon to see uh, what link is uh, you need to click on to go to the website. It'll be a specific page where you can submit your answer. If your answer is correct, you will be entered in a drawing. The next week we'll do another question. The third week and the fourth week continuing. Each week you can submit an answer to that question. If you answer correctly, you will get a slip in the lottery for every correct correct answer you get. At the end of those four weeks, we're going to do a drawing, and I think we're going to do two because it's a whole four-week thing. And uh, we'll have a first place and second place prize. Not sure what they are yet, but we'll let you know as the contest continues. Oh, I've got some good ideas. Women, one entry per person, and uh, <laughs> family members, and, and, and dear friends, and uh, friends yeah. with benefits. Uh, Non-transferable. Uh, I'll, I'll regret making this promise, but I'll do a... Uh, I'll do a live video of the drawing. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's I am, great. I immediately regret making. Yeah, that that's comes. a terrible, terrible idea. Uh, okay, I'll do it on Twitch. <laughs> there you go. All right. So this week's trivia question for episode sixty-six. We go in. We begin the fight with Grenzeldeck. This week's question question is: How, when, and where did we first hear the name 
Grenzeldeck. Ooh, deep cut. How, when, and where did we first hear the name Grenzeldeck? Tomorrow, Friday, September 2nd, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Log on to Twitter for the link. It'll send you to the webpage you need to go to to submit your answer. Get them in and get in on the drawing. At Glass Cannon Pod. Follow us already. At get glass cannon pot. All right, let's move on to fan questions. We got two of them, and Woo. then uh, so sorry we kept Nick so long. He's got to get back to his family. Uh, first question from Greg. The dog's watching him. <laughs> That's right. He's very qualified. From Greg Boyagas, he asked this question question actually on the Twitch uh, a while ago, and I think you Troy, you might have answered it like sort of in, uh, impromptu on the Twitch, but we wanted to address it a little more fully on cannon fodder. Uh, sorry, it's taken us so long to actually get to this, Greg. But here's the question, and I'll kick it over to Troy. The question is: I'm trying to get into being a DM, but I'm unsure if I can get a decent sized group together that has good chemistry. What would you recommend as an ideal group size I can shoot for just to get started with Pathfinder? Excellent question. Uh, I answered it a little little bit on the Twitch. Uh, another reason to uh, follow us when we play our video games live because we do talk about the podcast as well. Uh, so I'll reiterate that very briefly and then let, uh, let you guys chime in. But uh, you know, the ideal group, if there is such a thing, is a DM and four players. If you're playing a Pathfinder Adventure Path, it is written that way. Now, there are a number of different ways you can make four players happen. Like if you're a DM and you can only come up with two guys and they're advanced players, they could each play two characters. And then who knows, a year down the line, you might have another guy that wants to jump in and then another guy. And then you just have them pass those characters over to them. And all of a sudden you got four players in a DM. And then or you just kill one of them yeah. and have them bring in a new character at that level or whatever. Right. You have a million different options. But like you can start with, a, I would say, a minimum of three people. Would you agree with that, Joe? Three people? 100%. I would also say you could start... Well, I wouldn't say minimum. I would say you could start with a minimum of two people uh, and, and two characters. And uh, absolute minimum of two characters. Yeah. But that would mean you would have to completely doctor everything you ran. You'd have to change all of the encounters. You'd have to rebalance everything. It it's makes a, it hard on everybody. It's a lot of work. the player's controlling two characters and the GM is you know what's a good You know what's a good point that, to, that I want to add to that is it would be more difficult for a new DM to have a two-player game, a oh, two-character game. absolutely. So if you're an experienced GM, there's no reason why you can't just run two players through a game for a year or more um, with only running two characters because you know how to kind of balance everything on the fly. If you're new to it, Yes, three, I think, is the absolute minimum. Otherwise, you're just going to kill everybody. The other thing is you could also just be like, hey, people are going to die. Do you guys want to have fun making new characters every couple months? They might be like, yeah. It would be, uh, if if the character, or if the players are new too, that might be a great way to do it. Because, I mean, so what I... Right, get to learn all the classes. I first started, for the first four years, I've only played a cleric. (laughs) So it's really the only class I've actually played. That's because Nick was always like the guy to come in later, and like all the other classes are selected, and you're like, you get the cleric. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he's become so good at it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really stand by the ideal number of five. You know, but the more people you have, obviously, the harder it is to get together. Um, you know, our we're amazed that we're able to put out an hour show every week <laughs> trying to get five uh, New Yorkers together in a room uh for anything is impossible, let alone to play uh, this game and record it and edit it and do all that stuff. But you know, in, in an ideal world, if you have a close knit group of friends and you guys can meet up once a week or you know twice a month, even five is ideal. Four players in a GM, but you can do it with three. Now, Joe, your Council of Thieves game had what seven or six? 
Yeah, it had seven, uh, yeah, six PCs. Yeah. Six PCs in a GM, so seven people. And, and an animal companion. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, how often were you guys able to meet? Well, I'll tell you, for what we were talking about, oh, yeah, we met once every few months, and there were times when we went four or five months without playing. And so, but, early on, it was like once a month. Yeah, early on, it was like once a month, yeah. but then people started having kids. This yeah, guy, this Mr. Nicolo. I, I can't help how fertile I am. That's <laughs> <laughs> one fertile cleric. But it was, but it was, there was what we talked about earlier this episode. There was a lot of work to balance that many characters to make sure that they're getting their, their due, you know, side story. And inevitably, some characters fell by the wayside. You know, it's kind of a shame. But if their players weren't harping on me to constantly involve the backstory of their character in the main overall arc, I didn't. I just didn't have the time for it. So I don't no. think that's an ideal number either. But you, no. would have, but you more do, is not necessarily better. No. And you would do great, like little side adventures if people were interested and had the. That's time. the other thing that you can do is if you have, let's say, you have the opposite problem, right? You're not like oh, I'm having a hard time getting a group together. Can I? Can I put push this through with just three players? Say you have the other problem. You have six players. You're you're in college right now, and you have everybody wants to play because they're listening to the glass can and they're like, I want in, man. <laughs> it's like. You, okay, like yeah. you can have everybody play, but then there's inevitably inevitably going to be times when people can't make it. So what I would do in council is I would constantly run side missions or side adventures for the three people that could show up, the four people that could show up that was off the main plot, but was you know usually somewhat within the same setting. So you have those options too. I mean, I will say it definitely helps that Council of Thieves has an urban setting because that means there's always something you can do right nearby. Uh, that helps. I'm going to give you, we've heard some options. This is the best answer, I think. And it's what we did when we started our Jade Region campaign. Joe got me back into Pathfinder six, seven year, years ago. Joe, I don't know how long I've known you at this point. <laughs> Something like that. And we went through this amazing adventure with uh, our, a buddy of ours who was an, a, a seasoned, lifelong veteran GM. And then he moved away. And I, all I wanted to do was keep playing but I wanted to be a player. And Joe didn't feel like running a game, Skid didn't feel like running a game, and Joe was basically like, dude, if you wanna play more Pathfinder, you've gotta be the GM. And I was like, I don't wanna, that's a lot, it seems like a lot of work, I don't know if I'm ready for it, da, 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 da. And so then I finally said, okay, I'm gonna do it. We're gonna do the Jade Region campaign. But is that then, why you quit your job as bartender? That is why I quit, retired. <laughs> he had no more time to bartend. I retired, I retired. Uh, and, so then it was like, okay, we decided we're going to play. But then it's like, okay, well, it's me, you, and Skid. We don't, we don't want to play with two players, and you guys can't control two characters. What are we going to do? So we found Skid's brother-in-law, and we decided that there would be three players and one GM. And Skid and Joe were going to co-run the fourth party member. Because you really need four party members and a GM. Now, how many people control those party members is up to you. And so what we did is we had Joe, Skid, Skid's brother-in-law, and me, just the four of us. That was the ideal number to start. And Skid had a character, Joe had a character, Chris had a character, and then Skid and Joe created a fourth character. And what we decided to do with this character is give this character in the story, in his backstory, uh, multiple personality disorder. So that... We knew that with just three players in a DM, we could meet pretty regularly. And Joe can attest, we were meeting like once a week for a while. Yeah, that was awesome. 
and occasionally other people would be available. Nick, yeah, uh, our buddy Tom, who uh, guested on the Twitch with us. Um, Grant, that was the first time I met Grant. Was he came in and played Eranor? And every time someone came and played Eranor, Eranor had a different personality. They that gave was him a different name. Yep, Eranor. Did I mention the uh, character's name was Eranor? Anyways, uh, <laughs> and then over time, Eranor, you know, Joe got to a point where because Joe at a certain point, Joe was running his character in Eranor. Side by side. Side by side. And now he was a magus, and it got to the point where he was about a seventh level magus, and it was like... It's too much. Running a seventh level magus (laughs) and a sixth level druid, first level uh, ninja (laughs) was... Oh my God! It was mind-numbing. Like it was just impossible. <laughs> but we we eventually uh, Skid's brother-in-law left the group. We brought in another guy, and then we brought in another guy, and then that guy left. We brought in we Matthew. Brought guy, yeah. And then now Matthew's in it, and now we have four players and a GM. And Skid and Joe are the only two original players in the game. And the character of Eranor is become an NPC. Right. So, but you know, I still incorporate his story into the overall story of Jade Reach. That's Reed. awesome. Yeah. So it is. You have the the main thing to to realize here is that there's no right or wrong answer. No. Do not say like, well, I only have two friends that want to play. I can't I can't start a game. Like, you can start a game. It's going to be a little extra work, but you can do it. Three players, you can absolutely do it and you can do it with four characters. Um, all right. Fantastic stuff. Let's move on to the, the second question here. Now, this one is loaded, so I'm going to try to tighten this up into a few questions and keep it moving. This comes from Brendan Dunbar from the University of Missouri of Kansas City. He has such a great question and it's so long but I'm going to try to break it up so basically overall he wants to know how we go about leveling up our characters because in the Pathfinder system there are a million billion options when you level up in terms of how you spend your skill points that that's tip of the iceberg how many feats you can select from uh, you know it's main, the main thing is really the feats and for some advanced classes you know things like uh, ninja tricks or rogue talents, stuff like that. There's so many options. How do you choose what's right for you? He's asking, do we choose them based on the character's backstory or on what complements the party or on what complements the plot or a little mix of everything? So uh, let me try to let me try to break this up first. The first thing I want to ask you, Troy, as a GM, mm-hmm. is do you allow the players? in your games to talk to each other and coordinate outside the session what they're going to do to level up their character so that they can balance the party. So someone says, oh, I'll put all these skill ranks in disabled device. You don't have to do that. Do you allow players to do that or do you want them to level their character as is? I have no problem with them doing it. The The only thing I have people come to me about with character stuff, if it's like, I want to take this spell or this feat, but it says it's for only for... Uh, blah 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 race or blah 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 class is it is that okay and I usually say no yeah uh, but yeah what if they want to kibitz about no that's to me that's interesting then then you're thinking that you're asking the right questions now I don't want people to do it just to min max it's like oh, I'm gonna put all my points into stealth you put all your points into diplomacy diplomacy and then we don't have to ever worry about me rolling one of those right things. but you don't police it no I don't police it yeah well, and, I got you, bigger fish to fry O'Brien yeah anything even if you think of it in world if uh, these level ups correct me if I'm wrong it's it's things that you develop 
uh, skills that you choose to develop or work on? It, like, it, it is the in-story reasoning behind it? Like, if you learn in animal training, or, right? It would make sense in story that yeah, your that characters would talk, would to, talk each to each other to yeah. coordinate what they're working on. Absolutely. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you think it's more important to select abilities uh, to to commit yourself to selecting abilities that fit in with your character backstory, or to select abilities that are evolving your character directly in line with what's happening with the plot? I'll give you a perfect example from the glass cannon. Lork, at a at fifth level as a ranger, he added another favored enemy to his list. The obvious choice was to pick orcs because we were fighting so many orcs. How many more orcs were going to be coming? But the orc fighting, uh, the attack on Trunel was all over. You know, is orcs done? If I take this, is that going to be a waste? So I asked Troy. I said, Troy... Can you please like help me to not waste this favorite enemy choice? Like I don't want to pick uh, slimes and then have it never be relevant through this whole adventure path. Like it is not out of the realm of possibility for a GM to tell you what is and is not relevant somewhat in the adventure path. So uh, my question yeah. is, Troy, what did you? How did you approach my asking that question? And what you know, what would you recommend GMs do uh, when people ask you about making very plot-related choices for their characters' feats and abilities? Well, I, you know, I think you're upset with me for. I'm furious with you is where this was going because you chose <laughs> undead, undead instead of. Yes, because we were heading to the fort, the marsh, or the marsh, and I thought that there would be a lot of undead stuff coming up, and I asked you, I was like. I didn't. Is there undead stuff coming up? I was just like, "Is this going to be a waste?" You know. And you were like, "You just got to do, you know, whatever <laughs> you feel is right." <laughs> of course. Well, isn't I mean, he the worst? The way Nick? I looked Absolutely. at it was like, "Yeah, okay." You were about to level up before you went into the marsh, and you had your uh, preconceptions of what you thought the marsh would be like. Right. But I also knew that you knew that you were going into an orc-infested fort, and so you, if you, ch- I wanted you to. Just be aware of that that was happening and see what you chose. Now, here's the thing. After Red Lake Fort, you may never see another orc again. That's true. That's it's not true. like you're going to be fighting hordes of skeletons. But the thing is, is like, you know, you have a plus two against undead right now. And the right. next time you level up, that's going to become a plus four. I, yeah. I you don't, know, I don't getting re- that to level up against orcs isn't going to be as, as valuable for you down the line right. as I, it was for choosing undead. Right. And that was why I made that choice is because I thought that, and this is, this is metagaming in the way, I'll tell you how I justified it story-wise because Nick's giving me the look like, you better justify this story-wise. <laughs> it, was that, it was that awful fight with, that, with the undead hill giant after Screed's uh, after Screed, oh, yeah. remember yeah. that undead thing yeah. came when you went out, in that room and it, and and it you almost ran the fuck away. <laughs> yeah, and it almost killed me. Remember, I was one hit away. I told Baron yeah. to run. I thought that Lork was going to take one for the team and die right there. And so I thought, I think Lork is going to be like, you know what? I'm going to learn how to fight uh, against undead. And that was my story rationalization for it. But really, in a metagame sense, I was thinking. We're going to fight these things in the swamp. I want to have the plus two. And even if that doesn't happen, I think in any Pathfinder adventure in the long run, there's going to be some undead shit you're going up against. And I'd like to have the plus four later. (laughs) So that is partially how I went about leveling up my character to answer your question. Right. And that's why I didn't tell you, yeah, just choose orc or just choose undead because I wanted you to, I wanted to see your thought process. Well, you know, and I think to, to, say what I would do as a GM is no I, I would agree with you I wouldn't say choose this or choose that I would say 
I might say that for an absolute beginner, mm-hmm. but for somebody you would steer that, me when we first started, you would help steer me towards like that's going to waste. Like it sounds cool, but that's a waste of your time. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. I would only say what would be a waste. I would right. only say what would go absolutely nowhere. You know, having somebody take undead as a favorite enemy is never going to go nowhere unless you know for a fact through six books there isn't a single undead encounter, which is very unlikely. Right. That's it's a such a general, uh, you know, landscape of things. It, like to me. It's like if you're going to be a ranger, it's always safe to just take human as a favorite enemy because at some point you're going to come across some human villain, you know. Uh, But there are some things that might be totally irrelevant. You, You might take dragon. And it might be like this is not one of those campaigns. Yeah. Like there's no there's no dragons in in Glass Cannon. Uh, giant as a favorite enemy is a good one. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with that first. Yeah. And that was even one that I was like, it didn't make any sense right away because there's no giant situation in True Now when you're starting out. But I was like, all right. I know this is where the campaign's going, so I'm going to make Lork's backstory a former giant hunter so I can justify taking yeah. giant as a favorite enemy. You know, but Pathfinder's pretty uh, good about not making it so cut and dry. Like, I think, and I, I'm trying to look this up as I'm saying it, that, like, if you take dragon, that you get a bonus against those river drakes that you fought. I think they're of the, gi- the no, 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 dragon no, I, subtype. I, I absolutely just thought that as I said it. I was like, yeah. there were dragons in this adventure already, yeah. <laughs> but there is, you know... Uh, there is a balance to the whole thing. To answer your question, Brendan, there is, I think that it's a great question. I think that, you know, uh, I, I want to kick it over to Nick real quick before I, I over talk this, but there is, when I level up a character, I think about all of those things you just said. I think about the plot, I think about the balance of the party. I mean, character. You know, Troy and I have recently been talking about, you said on Canifodder, one of the hardest things that we're coming up against in this campaign is because of our party build. Yeah. You know, and I was talking to you recently about multiclassing, about what our options are, and, you know, trying to think, like, what could we do to make the party stronger? And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that that's something that a party in the fiction would actually talk about. You Absolutely. Know? So, so what do you think when it comes to, you know, leveling up your character? What, you, what are your priorities? Do you want to focus on the story of your character? complimenting the group or making yourself valuable to the plot and and effective in combat for the plot I kind of see it in a few ways one is kind of when you're choosing your characters for like a team comic book or something like that you want to make sure that you have as diverse a set of talents and skills and people as possible because that's where you're you don't want too many like just all strong dudes or you know too like fast people or telepaths or like these things like that you, you want to make sure because then it just gets boring and you're like well why why bother with that like it's just redundant but then as you it, it, as it's in more than in the storytelling that you want to uh, make sure that you're taking these characters down these different roads and making sure they, they like as you're challenging them as you're messing with their powers or giving them in, like a new aspect of their power or taking something away that you're challenging that aspect of them and that you're being, uh, that you're diversifying it in different ways. Um, but I, and to get back to what you just talked about, I love that your party doesn't have a rogue or anyone who's any good at trap finding. That was, <laughs> in that recent episode, that was awesome when they when the port, porticulluses were, yeah. uh, were dropping. Uh, it was, it was fantastic because like no one had that skill. So, that, well, what do you do? You still you're have at to the do mercy something. of the traps. Yeah. You still have to do something. Yeah, you, know, you were talking before in the in the previous question, like what's the best amount of people to have? Like four is the perfect amount of PCs because you're still going to be lacking something. Right. You know what I <laughs> yes. mean? Like yeah. it makes it more realistic. Right, right. You know what they say? The uh, best fifth class is. I know this answer. What do you think it is? Uh, what do you think Nick? it is, Nick? Uh, bartender. 
You're close. <laughs> You're very close, actually. First three letters is the same. Bard? Yep. Yep. <laughs> the Bard, they say, is the best fifth character. Yeah. Uh, there are some arguments about out there about why they could be a valuable first four characters, but usually you want fighter, rogue, wizard, cleric. That's usually the solid start to a party, but you're still going to be lacking something. One of these yeah. days I want to play a uh, stand-up comic Bard that's really terrible. <laughs> You'll be really good at that. You have a lot of experience. But you guys will still get the bonuses because the jokes will be like really, uh, he's trying really hard. <laughs> he's still rolling. Yeah, so we're, we want to make him look good. So we uh, try extra. What hard. is the deal with Hill Giants? <laughs> Plus one to your tax. All right, that's going to wrap it up this week, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And Nick Lowe, thank you so much for being here. I'm not kidding about bringing you back next week. We really want to have you, you have for the finish, we'll the see. exciting conclusion of the Grenzel Deck fight, uh, the sad, sad conclusion of the Grenzel Deck fight. Oh, I don't man. know. <laughs> It, it, it might be a funerary episode. It Poor might be Galabras, a victory we episode. We knew you well. Poor Galabras, we, for so many episodes, we were friends. Uh, seriously. What's gonna, the thin man going to do when Galabras dies? Yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking. It's like, yeah. is he going to come after Lork? <laughs> Probably. Probably. Lork. He saw Lork in the back of the room and was like, I'm going to kill that halfie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, take us out with a, uh, with a Joe's going to roll. Joe's going to roll. Joe's going to roll. Get ready for that one. <laughs> We're having a good time. Woo! <laughs>